souffle as a teaching tool. Hi, I'm Neil Headley. Welcome to The Voice in My Head for Monday, May 9th, 2022. Here's the scene. You've put everything you have into opening a new restaurant. In your ridiculously well-appointed kitchen at home, you've been feverishly perfecting what will become the signature item on your dessert menu. A Grand Marnier Souffle. With a couple of hundred eager mouths to feed, including customers, peers, and reviewers alike, as the parking lot is filled waiting for the doors to open, you come to the realization once you see the horrified look on your sous chef's face, your kitchen only has convection ovens. Those will just blow your souffle right over. Now, what do you do? There's a ton to learn from this example for creators of all kinds. And I chose the souffle as the focal point for myriad reasons, not the least of which is that it's perhaps the ultimate kitchen test of patience, preparedness, and skill. I'm using the restaurant souffle example as a result of a conversation I heard on one of the 73 shows my friend Dave Jackson does. This one called Ask the Podcast Coach, along with co-host Jim Collison. Now, they do the show live on YouTube on Saturday mornings and put out a recording of the show as a podcast. Cool idea. And on April 30th, they were discussing podcast trailers. And to put it mildly, Jim doesn't see the point. Now, this conversation isn't meant to call Jim out or anything like that. Jim's kind of a big deal in the podcast world, and who am I to disagree with him? But the more I thought about it, the more I got me thinking about advanced promotion for a ton of different things. And I think it's a conversation worth having. You can take the ideas here and apply them to restaurants, absolutely, and to podcasts too. And you can apply them to virtually anything else you can think of where you're doing something that other people will experience or consume. So I'll argue that you can apply this from everything from the movie that you're shooting to the oil change place that you're about to open. Now, keep that in mind, too, because I'm going to mostly bounce back and forth between restaurants and podcasts while we talk about it, but it applies to everything. Now, I believe, Jim, that every podcaster would benefit from a trailer or a promo or whatever you want to call it, and not necessarily because every podcast lends itself to having a dramatic script read in the style of legendary movie trailer announcer Don LaFontaine saying, in a world with a million podcasts, one woman sits alone. Because frankly, most podcasts don't suit that kind of drama and the majority wouldn't be able to live up to the hype anyway. However, let's look at a couple of different examples where you don't have to look out that far to see the benefit. Let's start with the experienced podcaster, or at least a person who already has a following. Now, they might have a following because they're an actor on a hit show. Maybe they wrote a great book. Maybe they're a big deal in the business world or used to be a president or a prince or whatever, but they have a following. Now, if you already have an audience and you're branching out into podcasting, I would argue that you'd be missing a massive opportunity if you didn't have some kind of trailer or promo to announce to the world that you're doing something and announce a date, and have people ready for it. I mean, for crying out loud, look at Spotify. A famous person just has to say the word podcast in a restroom conversation, and Spotify puts out 97 press releases and promos for shows they have no intention of ever producing. Back in the dark ages before iTunes, if you were a recording artist with a new album coming out, your version of a trailer came in the form of a single. 
that was released a month or two before the album itself. The first single would give listeners a taste of what was on the album. It would build some advanced hype. And everybody would put out a single before the rest of the album, even artists that no one had ever heard of. Perfect example of this is the summer of 1990, when this song called Vision of Love came on the radio. It was everywhere, and everybody was talking about it because, wow, could that singer hit some notes. Nobody had ever heard of her, but it turned out that her name was Mariah Carey. And the same week that Vision of Love had gotten so much airplay and sold so many copies that it was in the top 40, her debut album came out. Now, if you're a famous chef and you're going to open a brand new restaurant, you leverage your celebrity to make sure that people know when and where your place is going to do their first seatings. I mean, please, don't think that great chefs just magically show up on the Today Show because they woke up thinking it'd be fun to cook up some tasty vittles for Savannah Guthrie. They go because they want everyone on the planet talking about their Grand Marnier souffle that looks so delicious on camera and, oh my God, I have to go get some honey circle to calendar. Like I said, that's an idea that translates to pretty much anything. If you're one of the hosts from the TV show Fastest Car and you're opening a chain of DIY hot rod garages, you get on TV or wherever else to leverage your existing audience. What's that? You hosted a TV workout show for 10 years, and now you're putting your name on a bunch of gyms. Huh. Guess who's having a bench press competition with Al Roker next week? Yeah. Involved in a famous court case a few years back and just wrote a book about it? Well, hope you like getting up early and having TV makeup on. However, this may come as a surprise, not everyone who starts a new podcast is already a celebrity. I know. I should have said spoiler alert or something, but, you know, there it is. Now, Jim, here is why new podcasters, especially the ones without a following, absolutely should have a trailer. What's often the number one determining factor of whether or not a new business will be successful? It frequently goes to the question of how thorough your business plan was. Yes, I know, writing a business plan can often be a pain in the keister. I'm still recovering from a 43-pager I wrote a while back. I mean... You know, it got a ringing endorsement from the woman that used to sit next to what's-his-name on that reality TV show about running a business, but yikes. Exhausting though it may be, if you've ever actually been serious about starting a business and wanted any outside involvement at all, you know that a business plan is step one, partly because of all the other required steps along the way to complete step one. In particular, things like market research, defining your unique selling proposition, creating a marketing strategy, projecting costs for equipment and infrastructure, and so on. All those things and more should be, even if it's only in back-of-the-napkin form, part of a checklist for any podcaster who hopes to have listeners beyond their mom. And whether you want to admit it out loud or not, by virtue of hitting the publish button, you do. We talked about that at length in a piece called normalizing mediocrity that was, I think, like a couple of episodes ago. To be able to write a script for a promo, you have to establish what your show is. You have to come up with a snapshot of what the show is about, what sets it apart, and why it's worth listening to. Consciously thinking through those details is something that far too few podcasters do, possibly because, let's be honest, it feels a lot like work. But for virtually any other creator or service provider, not doing that work would be unheard of. 
It's an old business trope that is so true it has become exceedingly tired. If you fail to plan, you can plan to fail. And again, it's true for a million different things. There was a point, for example, where comedians with wildly divergent styles like Stephen Wright and Robin Williams had to decide what their stage persona was going to be. And then everything they did had to pass through that filter. I mean, imagine Robin Williams standing still on a stage with a microphone that was on a stand, smoking a cigarette and doing, you know, any of the bits that have become legendary Robin Williams bits. It wouldn't work. And if he did 75% of the show running around being Robin Williams and then sat down in an armchair to do the rest of the show, the audience would start to wonder what had gone wrong. Garth Brooks, one of the biggest selling country music stars in history put out a rock album called The Life of Chris Gaines that, despite being a great album full of really solid songs, was so loathed by his hardcore fans that a movie project that was tied to the album ended up getting scrapped. Do you remember Colgate Kitchen Entrees? That line of frozen food that Colgate launched in 1982? No, you don't. (laughs) And there's a reason. Now, don't mistake this, though, for an admonition to stay in your lane. Because even though critics and passionate country fans hated the life of Chris Gaines, it still sold two million copies. Because Garth Brooks can, to a degree, get away with his ninth studio album being full of rock songs and pop ballads. But if you don't know where your lane is you won't know when you've gone horribly off course. And it'll become hard to build a fan base when they have no idea what you're doing. Establishing where the lines are will help prevent you from inadvertently crossing one. And one of the easiest ways to establish the lines is to write the promo. Now, if you can't nail down the specifics of your show enough to create a compelling promo, rethink your show. Because coming up with your pre-promotional material will help a podcaster to remember that if they want to record interviews with bands, they're going to need to plan for more than two microphones. It'll help the mechanic figure out that if you want to service box trucks, you got to have enough ceiling clearance to accommodate the extra height on the hoist. And it will help the restaurateur anticipate that convection ovens work great until you want to have your signature dessert be a Grand Marnier souffle. That gets us to the end of the dessert course for episode 16 of The Voice in My Head. I know, last week it was crab cakes, this week it's souffle. I gotta stop doing the show hungry. Uh, Listen, if we were to go grab dessert someplace and anything I just said would inspire you to pick up the tab, feel free to buy me a virtual coffee instead. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash nop. And nop is spelled K-N-O-P-P. You can also find a transcript of this episode and a bunch of other goodies at knopstudios.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, whether it's to talk about the finer points of souffle, coaching, our copywriting course, or whatever else is on your mind, my email address is neil, that's N-E-I-L, at knopstudios.com. Till next time, thanks for listening to The Voice in My Head. I'm Neil Headley.